You're listening to Malta Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Alhamdulillah, uh, Legal Talk uh, and uh, Legal uh, Talk is a part of uh, a Friday evening. And Alhamdulillah, as we know, Mufti A.K. Hussain is busy on his tour all over the South Coast and uh, all over KZN. And he's, uh, I, I believe he's moving towards the Mid-South Coast. It's getting to places like Spingo Beach, Spingo Rail, and so forth. But Alhamdulillah, the show must go on. And as uh, uh, this afternoon, uh, or this evening, our uh, senior attorney Ashraf uh, Isup has joined us once again. And Alhamdulillah, we're going to have a 30-minute session with him, uh, senior attorney Ashraf Isup and the Ummah. Let me welcome you all with a hearty assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And tell me, Ashraf, how are you doing this fine, beautiful evening? Walaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Shafat, we are doing so well. I mean, can you believe what a hajj, what, what 10 days we've just completed? We've had Eid, we've had the Hujaj. You could track them, you could see them, you could feel the energy, you could cross to the Haram. I mean, it, it was incredible. It's, it is not, uh, you know, this is not an ordinary thing. Um, it's not an ordinary day. In fact, you know, we were just discussing about the, that the Hajj is, is nothing more than being on the plains of Arafah. But the entire Hajj is, uh, is actually a, a, a celebration of number one, the obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from Sayyidina Ibrahim and his wife and his child. I mean, that's the whole story of the Hajj. So, can you imagine, we were talking about her fortitude, you know. You know, like we like to complain, hey, we got this problem, we got that problem. Imagine her patience. First, she was said, she was asked, to go in the middle of the desert with the newborn. And her question was not, she said, is this your wish or Allah's wish? And then she succumbed because Sayyidina Ibrahim said, no, it's Allah's wish. And then left in the middle of nowhere, very little food and water, which quickly ran out. We then up to this day, which is incredible. Because if people don't believe anything, right, <laughs> they must just drink the Zamzam. Because that's the only thing that directly connects thousands of years back to us. Because that is not man-made. That comes from the ground. You know what I'm saying? If you if you look around, absolutely, and you, you know, the Kaaba is not the original Kaaba. It was built many, many times. Yes. But the Zamzam is the original. That is a direct, direct connection through the centuries back to Sayyidina uh, Ibrahim and her fam- his family, especially Sayyidina Hajra. And then up to this day, we follow in her footsteps because we run. So the, so the two, two out of the major rituals of Hajj is, is hers. 
And of course, we know the stoning comes from Sayyidina Ibrahim. The sacrifice comes from Sayyidina Ibrahim. The building comes from Sayyidina Ibrahim. The tawaf comes from Sayyidina Ibrahim. But the rest of it is a very powerful reminder of Allah's you know, slave obeying him totally. And in that moment, Shafar, I think the greatest thing is, which is a lesson for us for now and for always, is that you turn to Allah. And that is, uh, for me, the incredible week or 10 days that I, I've been experiencing. You know, Ashraf, absolutely brilliant. And I remember, when was it? 1980, 1990, being uh, the editor of Sheikh Ahmadi, that's uh, Al-Burhan. And he asked me to write an article for him in, uh, you know, uh, on, on, uh, on the Hajj. And I wrote that. I don't know how this caption came into my head. The greatest sacrifice in the history of mankind. And I wrote this article. And uh, Didat asked me, hey, how did you get out? I said, no, someone just whispered in my ear to write that. But, you know, Ibrahim, as you said, Sunnatul Ibrahim, and, uh, you know, the Sunnah of uh, Hajr, all coming to the fore. And, you know, as a Dawah too, you can take uh, the Hajj, and, you know, I mean, especially with the, uh, Mother Africa, and you can, you know, give them such a, uh, an important message and perhaps, you know, turn many hearts uh, towards Islam. What's your thoughts on that, uh, using Hajj as a dawah tool, uh, Ashraf? Well, very importantly, and I don't think many people actually know this, in Genesis, in the Bible, the exact description of the Kaaba is there, including the well, including the Zamzam. It's there in the, in the Bible. Yeah, Becca. But, uh, no, no, Becca is a place. The Kaaba, the number of cubits, the number of mm. feet. Oh, okay. It's description, yeah. The, 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 the full dimension of the Kaaba. Yes. And the well, they call it the well of mercy or something. But uh, I was telling some Christian friends, I said, look, you know, the Zamzam, it is amazing. It rises when, it, when the demand is high and it subsides when the demand is low. How does it know that there's five million people on top wanting to drink? How does the Zamzam know that? And when the five million go home, it drops down. Secondly, the Japanese tourists, uh, uh, scientists, including a German, they carried out the microscopic effect of the cellular structure of water. And there's two things that was amazing. They took water and they just whispered nasty things to it. And the cellular structure turned black. And then they took water and they whispered nice things to it. Like, let's say you say, Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim you blow in the water and you drink. Well, here's proof that it changes its actual physical structure by what you whisper and what you blow. But the Germans carried out a very detailed investigation into Zamzam. And it is most amazing. There's no water or there's no molecular structure like that anywhere else. Then it had diamond shape of um, the molecular structure and it had light emanating from it. I mean, 
And and here's water that has the consistency of milk because that's what uh, Sedna Ismail uh, fed off. So it's incredible when you say use it as a dawah because the Christians actually don't know, you know, they don't know their Bible, but it is definitely there. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, you know, a good friend of mine who's uh, quite an expert in the topic, Alhamdulillah, you know, it seems you're a uh, mashallah in that level, that field, and you take a very keen interest. And as you say, you do mashallah dawah and, uh, uh, and, 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 uh, and business, Alhamdulillah. Once, as you said, with, sitting with your clients and so with your colleagues, uh, when you have a, uh, a, you know, a word in season, you give it in there, Alhamdulillah. And Allah bless you for that, Ashraf. And also you send me quite a few uh, clips uh, that, you know, uh, keeps us on the straight and narrow. Uh, if, even if you look at how Malik al Shabazz, uh, how it changed his uh, uh, his whole uh, you know life into a mainstream Islam. You know, uh, being confronted with the, uh, what you call the nation of Islam. But when he saw the Hajj in its true form, uh, it changed his whole life. Ashraf. No, clearly. I mean, he came, he went as a racist, and he returned as a Muslim. You know, because he said, look, up to then. I thought that the white man was nothing but a blue-eyed devil, you know, useless, nothing to compare, nothing to uh, to take from him. Of course, I mean, this was also informed by years of uh, being oppressed. I mean, you, you clearly have that. And then you form this opinion, and then suddenly, when you go to this Hajj, and you can't imagine that there are people from every corner of the world. I don't know if you saw these little shorts where the guy goes with the camera and says, what country are you from? And, you know, they say here, there, everywhere. And again, there is no comparison to this gathering anywhere else in the universe. Forget the face of the earth. There is no event like the Hajj. Nothing. So, I guess, Shafat, I think it's, you know, we have to admit that we're extremely fortunate that Allah chose us to be Muslims and gave us the deen of Islam. And he gave us everything of its beauty. And the most important thing that he gave us is the Tawheed, that we ascribe no partners to him. And of course, giving us the gift of Islam with the greatest of the messengers. I mean, nothing of this would have been possible without our beloved Rasul Salavis. Nothing. No, no, no record, no document, no sunnah, no understanding, nothing. So, so that's why uh, being the final Prophet Salavis, uh, he is so precious to us, and of course, uh, he was uh, given the light of Allah. So, you know, I highly recommend a book that is referred to in the Bayashti Zawr and Teachings of Islam. It's called Muhammad, the Messenger of Allah, and it's by Qadi Ayad. It's a 1400 or 1300-year-old text of the most pristine description 
in Arabic. It's available in English, but it's called Muhammad, the Messenger of Allah, and it is by Qadi, who is Judge Qadi Ayad. Um, an incredible, incredible book. Alhamdulillah, yeah, you're also a voracious reader. And also, you know, looking at how we circumambulate the Kaabatullah, and, you know, we do it anti-clockwise. Uh, we know that the universe and, the, the you know, the galaxy and all that, if you're looking at uh, the emotions that uh, perform there, is so, uh, you know, in sync with the divine decree, uh, Ashraf. Not just what is above uh, above us in the heavens, uh, Shafat. In the subatomic world, uh, you see even the cellular structure of the atom. When the atom is uh, examined under the microscope, you know, it has the proton and electron. And the direction that it goes is exactly that of the Tawaf. So whether you're looking up at the vast expanse of the, of the universe, or you break it down to the minutest atom, which as we know from the atom bomb, is full of energy. I mean, can you imagine this little structure mm. going round and round? Because it doesn't go in a square, it goes round and round. And if you if you break that uh, pattern, it lets for tremendous energy, and you capture that energy, and that's how they created the atom bomb. But of course, you know your point is quite clear and correct. Uh, I mean that it is exactly in the direction that we do the tawaf. And the Tawaf itself has got above it, you know, we know that there are layers and layers of angels uh, going all the way up. You know, there was a beautiful little story, Shafat, just to digress on the pigeons of Makkah. Mm. And um, they're unique. Uh, they're not the same pigeons that you get everywhere else. Eh? Um, these pigeons, you know, a pigeon is also known as a flying rat. It's It's a bit of a nuisance, you know. But these pigeons don't uh, mess over the Kaaba and they don't cross over the Kaaba. They have a specific pattern to fly over. And they become very much uh, the landscape of the Kaaba. And um, so there you can see that even the animal form obeys the laws of how you move around the Kaaba, you know. So, so there's another example that you brought up. Uh, on on the pattern that is, it's a natural pattern. You know, you bring a story, and uh, the late advocate I am Bawa. I don't know if you knew him, uh, who you know I had the privilege of working with at uh, at the Islamic Propagation Center, and he was someone that uh, you know molded my, uh, uh, my, my 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 politics and so forth. And he told me, you know, uh, when he went for Hajj and he was whilst he was looking, and he saw these uh, pigeons, and he told me. Uh, exactly, they went uh, circumambulated the Kaaba when you're sitting and watching. He said, Shafat, I won't lie to you. You know, he spoke like an Englishman. Uh, they did it exactly seven times around and they didn't fly over. And like, as you said, they won't fly over the Kaaba, but they went round and round and round. But uh, the missing story that you told me, I'm amazed at that. I mean, they won't miss, they won't do that. So they are unique pigeons from that part of the world. Which brings us uh, to a, our South African story. Yeah, we're not a unique country. Uh, we have a constitution that gives everyone rights. Even those that come from across the borders, they are protected in this country. 
Our constitution gives them rights. As I read uh, this uh, paragraph to you, it says, Minister of Home Affairs, Aaron uh, Mosseledi, is uh, studying a judgment handed down by the Pretoria High Court that has uh, declared his decision to terminate the Zimbabwean exemption permit ZDP program unconstitutional. Ashraf, your thoughts, your take. So just some background, right? In um, November of 2021, uh, 19th of November, the minister, without any warning, issued a declaration that he will no longer be extending the ZDP from the 31st of December 2021. Obviously, this sent shockwaves uh, through the entire community of Zimbabweans, uh, which officially uh, you know, we're in the region of about 280,000. Now, the ZDP was a long-standing, it's about 14 years in, or 12 years, 12 years, yeah. So the ZDP was a concession granted to Zimbabweans, and they could come into the country, stay, work, study, open businesses, do whatever they wanted without following any of the regulations in the Immigrations Act. And of course, they were not refugees, so they were exempted from the Refugees Act. So it went through various changes, ZDP, ZSPs, uh, Zimbabwean Special Permit, uh, Zimbabwean Exemption Permit, etc. So it was there for 12 years and the minister says, right, enough. You guys pack up and go back. Of course, um, that kind of decision was not left unchallenged. And the Helen Sussman Foundation, amongst others, brought an application to set aside such a declaration by the minister. So they argued two things. They said, listen, it's fine that you can do this, but just do it properly. And properly means you should give notice to affected parties that you intend to do this and engage with them and engage with civil society and find ways of uh, accommodation and you know discussion especially the school children, there's wives. You can't just do this. So the minister was adamant and he said no. And then obviously this matter was taken to court. In between, the minister has made concessions by being practical. For example, in June, when the ZDP in its present form, which was now extended for a period of 12 months and then another six, now he's extended it till December of this year. He says that is only to protect Zimbabweans from detention, deportation, and arrest. So he says, I'm, I'm protecting you. you. If you have a ZDP and it's expired, well, you're not going to be troubled by the law. If you travel across the border and you come back, you won't be declared undesirable, which is a huge, huge concession. However, I think the judges were absolutely correct here. This is a three-bench judgment. And the leading judge said, listen, we have a constitution. In the constitution, there is provision for the government officials, including ministers, must obey the constitution and the rule of law. An aspect of the rule of law is if you're going to publish something that's going to affect my rights, before you do so, you must consult with me, you must invite me, you must give me a hearing. Unfortunately, the minister didn't do any of those things. He just went gung-ho into it, and the court said, no, 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 we can't tolerate that. In effect, we're giving you 12 months from the date of the judgment 
to reconsider and entertain applications. So very important to point out, Shafa, they're not saying the minister hasn't got the power to do so. They're not saying the government doesn't have the right to control foreigners. I think this is some of the misconceptions that has come through mm-hmm. in some of the media. It says you did not follow the procedure. Now, the logical thing to have done, instead of challenging this thing in court, which now here is going to take it on appeal, is to say, OK, I take cognizance of this. I think this judgment is correct. I didn't consult. I didn't publish a notice in the government gazette. Scalabrini came forward. This is one of the uh, human rights uh, or refugee rights um, organizations in the Cape. They engage with us. But the judges said that's not enough. You know, you didn't publish the notice. So you were procedurally unsound. And therefore, if I find you procedurally unsound, that's enough for me to find that I have to set aside the decision. That's exactly what happened. That's the nub of the case. Now, Ashraf, uh, many will be thinking and saying, okay, uh, these are Zimbabweans, uh, maybe the reprieve is given, uh, maybe those that uh, came in illegally. What about those that crossed the border illegally and uh, what happens then, uh, uh, Ashraf? That position hasn't changed, Shafat. If you're illegal, you're illegal. If you're in the country as an undocumented migrant, well, that's it. You go, you are liable to arrest, detention, deportation. But I think people forget that what had happened to bring about the ZDP was South Africa's asylum-seeking um, facilities were overrun by Zimbabweans because asylum seekers are granted huge privileges in the country until their matter has been decided. So, like, I mean, better than the Zimbabweans, they you know they allowed to stay here operate a business, many go to school, do and, and, and take um, benefit from our entire social services and whatever else there is. So that led to the situation where the Home Affairs couldn't deal with this and they said, listen, let's cut the Zimbabweans out of the rest of the people in the world applying and let's treat them specially. Well, it created a precedent because now there are ZD, there are exemption permits for Lesotho nationals mm. as well as Angolan nationals. Yeah, it's there. So it it sets around it, it sets a precedent so it's such that you know you don't overwhelm the system. Look, here's the story with the asylum seekers right now. In terms of a United Nations study, it'll take something like sixty three years to finish whatever they have on their books now. I mean, can you imagine that? That means it could be a lifetime of a person who's born here till the time he dies and his matter might not be over. So you can imagine the kind of problems the Department of Home Affairs is facing. Doesn't have the personnel, it doesn't have the capacity, it doesn't even have the technology. You heard now that even the CETA, State Information Technology Agency was trying to up the game. And in fact, Home Affairs fired its technology head the other day because he bought routers and he didn't use them. That's why every time you go into Home Affairs, oh, the system is down, the system is down. Oh, we, we, we can't contact head office because they use an encryption method between the uh, regional office and the head office for your documentation, you know, to in, uh, ensure its security. 
Notwithstanding all that, you know, you heard of this home affairs official in northern in Popo. There was a guy who was a, was a drug buster on television. And he happened to run across one of these drugs, uh, drug dealers. And then he comes across this home affairs official who's sitting with passports and IDs and selling it for 50,000 rand each. This was quite accidental. So you can see, my point is how compromised the system is. And home affairs is really bleeding from every year. Poor, basically, you know. Whether it's technology, whether it's officials, whether it's uh, cases that they lost, cases upon cases, you know. There was this other interesting case, I don't know if we covered it in our last show, about dual citizens. You know, you can now be a dual citizen mm. without losing your South African citizenship. So, yeah, very interesting uh, decisions in the courts, Shafat. Right? Well, we're looking at figures. What are the figures of this uh, ZDP, uh, you know, exemption now they will get? Uh, what are the figures? How many? So the minister said of the uh, 280 that were eligible, 187 had real ZDPs, and of the ZDPs, only something like 6,000 applied for immigration visas. And you can imagine, Shabbat, the rest don't have skills. I mean, mm. they, you know, your gardener, your chef, your, your guy that parks your car, you, you, you can see the Zimbabweans where they, your, your, um, your waiter, your waiter, um, you know, unskilled jobs. That's where the bulk of them have taken up. Uh, in our experience, we've come across some of them highly qualified teachers. But now, in terms of the critical skills, and if you want to be a teacher, you must have a master's degree, Shafa. How many teachers have a master's degree? Mm. You know, in order to qualify for a teaching post, you got to have a master's degree. Uh, I mean, I, I think there's very few people that have masters in anything. <laughs> so you can see <clears throat> there are like 107 critical skills missing. So either you get a critical skills visa, which is a mainstream visa, uh, or you get an exemption from the Minister of uh, Home Affairs in respect of the certificate from the Department of Labor for general work visas, or those people that are lucky uh, might already have South African spouses and families here. That makes their transition over to uh, immigration visas much more smoother. But otherwise, I'm afraid uh, you're going to see a very closed uh, process here. Not many will succeed, even if they go through. And I think that's what the minister was trying to say. You want me to go through this whole exercise, but they don't qualify. And now his argument is, of the 187,000, only 6,000 applied. You know, well, well, you want me to consult, but the practical result mm. is the same. Yeah. I think that's what he's saying. I don't think mm. it's correct. Though. Yeah, anyway, uh, you know, uh, look at the times caught up. Uh, as I said, uh, this has been uh, a curtailed show because of um, uh, Mufti's uh, tour. Ashraf, uh, perhaps your, 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 your part, uh, parting words uh, this evening. Well, you know, uh, Shafat, as I said at my opening statement, we're extremely lucky and blessed that Allah has given us the deen of Islam and that we must hang on to it by our fingernails. Make lots of dua for everyone. But with dua comes action. We must, we must stand by, um, you know, Allah helps those that help themselves. We must be, we must be more proactive in whatever we're doing. Um, 
keep a close eye on our health, you know, uh, be of use to our community and our neighbors, our family members, uh, and whoever else we can, you know, reach out. Uh, remember us all in your duas and yeah, keep up the Yasin. Alhamdulillah, Ashrafah. Jazakallah khaira once again. You have a blessed evening ahead. Inshallah, we'll talk to you soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Time for us to go for the Isha Azan and inshallah we will continue after that. <laughs>